It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And good morning. Happy Friday to you. Welcome into the program. And... I was just making sure that I got all the episodes of Phil's podcast out there for you. So just hit publish on them. They should start showing up in your podcast feed. Um, some some feeds, they'll show up in a few minutes. Others, they might take uh, a little bit longer. But I wanted to make sure that I got them all out there for you so that if you missed any part of his show this morning, you will be able to hear it in its entirety. So the podcast is now up there. Uh, all the folks here lined up to cheer him on as he left the studio, not for the final time, but um, for the end of the regular weekday version of the Phil Paleologa show. And whatever the future holds, he's definitely going to be back on the airwaves here. Don't worry. I already said I'm take, I have to take some time off. I'm going to ask him before he even leaves today if he, wants, <laughs> if he wants to fill in for me. I know. I know you're trying to have a semi-retirement, but I want you to be on the airwaves. So, um, of course, thank you to everybody that called in and wished him well. All the app chat messages that came in as well that are still rolling in. We'll make sure that he gets them all and uh, that those well wishes are passed along. And, and he listens to the station. So he's going to have it on all the time anyway. He will hear all of your well wishes. So uh, certainly, you know, it was great hearing everybody call in. Uh, I heard, you know, Mayor Mitchell call in, Taylor Cormier call in. So many listeners, family members, people in the community, and uh, we we owe him far more than we could ever give him back. So, well, we'll I'm just going to keep trying to do all the good things that he taught me to do, and uh, and and always be there for people in the community. And I haven't talked much about this, but when I was, I think, I, first of all, I think we bonded being a couple of you know diner cooks at heart. I think that that bonded us. Uh, pretty early on, the I'm trying to think of the first time that I actually met Phil in person. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I wonder. I wonder if it was when we did the the uh, Rock Me Amadeus musical fundraiser. It might have been before that. But when he knew about all the things that I did in the paranormal world. He would have me on any time that I had something that I wanted to promote. It might be that we were doing uh, a paranormal event fundraiser. It might have been that, you know, when my book came out, he always would be the first person to reach out. Got to have you on the show. You know, you're welcome anytime and anything you have to promote, come on and talk about it. And he always had, you know, an open phone. And, and it's funny because he was so accommodating to me knowing the fact that I was I was cooking in the mornings, even when he had the mid-morning magazine program, like I was, I was working. So it's it's hard to to step away, especially when you're not supposed to do it. 
And he was always so gracious in working with me. And if I had to, you know, text him and say, can't do it at 830 like we planned. District manager showed up. <laughs> I'll, I'll call you in 15. He was always great about accommodating all of that. And over the years, I have, you know, had a few friends that had things that they wanted to get the word out about or that I thought would make great guests for him. And I would recommend them to, to Phil and say, you know, this might be a story you want to cover. And it was always absolutely. If you if you recommend them, I want to have them on, set it up. And I'll never forget when I had my friend Jeff Belanger join him because Jeff, everybody knows him for his paranormal work and uh, being the writer and researcher for the show Ghost Adventures and his own show and podcast, New England Legends. And But he actually has another you know, side of him that people aren't aware of. And he has a philanthropic side that he doesn't really talk about. And he had a brother-in-law who passed away from cancer. And that kind of inspired Jeff to want to do some of the things that, that he thought that he should do with his life, that he always wanted to do with his life, because he realized his brother-in-law was only a few years older than him. He realized how short life is. So he decided to climb Mount Kilimanjaro and it just turned out that there was a, a way to raise money for cancer in doing so. So he set off on this journey to climb Mount Kilimanjaro and raise as much money as he could and then he wrote a book about it. And so I had Jeff go on with Phil to talk about that book and that journey because I was like, nobody will help him spread that story better than Phil Paleologus. And when the interview was over, Jeff called me and he said, I, I need you to get me a regular appearance with that guy because just talking to him made me feel like a million bucks. Like here's a guy that just climbed one of the highest peaks in the world and raised, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars for cancer research in doing so. And he said that nothing made him feel better than talking to Phil and the way that Phil made him feel about himself after that interview. And I think that that encapsulates perfectly exactly who Phil is and as a person, as a, as a talk show host, as a member of the community. And, uh, and, and Ian Abrams said it this morning. He said, you know, that um, people ask him all the time, is Phil really like that? I get the same question all the time. Like he can't be that positive and upbeat all the time. And he is. As I said yesterday, you know, I, I went to Lilydale with him, spent the weekend with him. And it was, there wasn't a single moment where he didn't have that infectious energy and, and, and love of life. It certainly helps me because I walk in here and if you see me walk into the building, if you see me when I walk into the building and go into my office before the show, I probably have the most dour expression on my face. I probably, you know, people probably look at me and be like, oh God, why is he in such a bad mood today? But that's just, that's just me. I walk in here and I have a few moments encounter with Phil before the show starts and, and that's why I come out with so much energy when I start the show. He is what pumps me up to come on the air and do the show. So I, I guess I'll have to bottle some of that for the future and, and, and utilize it. If we could, if we could, we've, we've joked about this before. 
where we're going to have to create little bottles that say the essence of Phil. I actually have a can- <laughs> I actually have a candle. <laughs> Someone I don't know who made it up for him at one point, but when I got my office, uh, my first office here, he walks in with it and he goes, "I think you should have this in here." And it is. It's a candle that's called the essence of Phil. So I think if we could bottle that up and and distribute it out, the world would be a better place. And and now I'm excited to see what the future holds for him because now he's it's kind of Phil unleashed, right? Like I was saying yesterday, he doesn't have that, you know, eight or nine o'clock. I don't know what time he went to bed, but he doesn't have that bedtime hanging over his head every night. So he's he's going to be, of course, rightfully relaxing but he's going to be a force out in the in the community as well and uh, and uh, you have not heard the last of him here that's for sure 508-996-0500 if you want to call in and chime in um i guess you know we can certainly continue to talk about phil and his impact but i don't i don't want to make it seem sad at all because it's it's not uh i i think that um this is just as, as he's been saying. It's just a new chapter, just a change. But we can talk about some other things as well. Yesterday, I talked about the CNN town hall with Donald Trump, and I said, you know, I, I don't know why Donald Trump handled it this, the way that he did when he had this opportunity to speak to some people that might have been, you know, more moderate or some people who might have been kind of off the Trump train that he's looking to get back. And that I didn't understand why he had taken that approach to things. But in the, and I figured there would be a lot of criticism of that. Like just that you took the opportunity, you took the law, you, you took this chance to change your image for some people and you, and you didn't take advantage of it. And I thought a lot of the, the pundits, the columnists, I thought people would be talking about that. Instead, people are blasting. CNN for it. So we can get into that as well. Uh, I think you you will hear uh, some pretty interesting, and, and we'll talk about why they're blasting them, and they're actually on the defensive about it. So we can talk about that as well. And then I also have an article up at WBSM.com and on the app, which I, I wish I had a chance to talk to Phil about. I should have written it. I was planning to write it a couple days ago. And and I wanted to sit down and talk with him about it because I knew he would probably have a better memory of the place than I did. But it seemed kind of, you know, in, in all of our talk about breakfast and restaurants, and, and he and I would talk about restaurants all the time. Like if I was ever writing an article about restaurants that, you know, weren't around anymore, he was all, I would just pop into his office, you know, and just give him a couple of knocks and it was never... Uh, I'll get back to you. Hold on. It was always come right in. And what was supposed to be one quick question would usually turn into, you know, a 20 minute just, you know, trip down memory lane. And I could always ask him about all the different restaurants in the area and uh, some of the different stuff. And of course, anything Americana, because obviously being a diner owner, you're tied into a lot of that Americana stuff. You know, Roadside America probably featured his diner multiple times in their magazine and on their website. So you get to know the people that are involved. Of course, when I mentioned names of people that I knew from the diner world, of course he knew him. People like Larry Coltrera, who has, you know, spent his lifetime chronicling diners. And 
I, I wish that I had had a chance. He's just been, you know, obviously understandably busy this week. But to talk to him about the article that I put out today about a chain that I didn't have a lot of experience with except for one location. But maybe some of you can enlighten me a little bit more. But with all the talk of the Christmas tree shop filing for bankruptcy, which, you know, we've talked about all this week. We talked about how the iconic one at the Sagamore Bridge is going to be one of only two that are closing. I mean, I'm sure a lot more are going to be closing, but the two that they've announced that are closing, the Sagamore Bridge one, it made me think about, well, I remember what was at the base of the Bourne Bridge before there was a Duncan there. And even before there was an IHOP there, I remember there being a Bob's Big Boy. I knew there had been a Howard Johnson's before that. I didn't realize how long Howard Johnson's had been there. But I knew about Bob's Big Boy, and I, I just, you know, should have picked Phil's brain a little bit about that chain because I bet you he knows all the – he probably knew the guy that started it because he just knew everyone. But um, I think – well, he knows everyone. I, I, say, I say that in the past tense because the man who created Bob's Big Boy is no longer with us. <laughs> Not in the past tense for Phil. But he, he would know all the ins and outs of that far beyond what I did. As far as I know, that's the only one around. I was corrected last night and somebody's like, no, there's one in Middleborough where the Friendlies is now at the Rotary. I had no idea. But I wrote up a little article just asking who remembers that. And so for a little bit of fun today, if you have any Bob's big boy memories that you want to share, you certainly can. I just, I, I don't know that my memories of it are clear. And it's not like... It's not like I was really young when I went there. It closed in 1994. I remember going there with my family as a teenager. But I just don't have full recollection of what was there. But everybody that I've, wherever I posted the story, everybody was talking about the breakfast buffet. I guess not a lot of people went to the dinner buffet, which from my understanding, and if I remember correctly, was not an everyday thing. It was something they did a couple times a week. But the breakfast buffet happened every weekend and people would, you know, make their weekend plans around it. So we can talk about that a little bit. Of course, we can also take more Phil memories if you if you have more that you want to share and you didn't get a chance to call in. And uh, and we can talk about a lot of other things. Coming up in the 10 o'clock hour after 10.30, we're going to be joined by City Council President Linda Morad and Councilor at Large Naomi Carney. We're going to talk about a number of things uh, that are going on in the city. And we will talk about Last night's city council meeting, if anything, any news came out of that. And uh, we'll talk about what lay ahead for the city council as well. So lots going on. 508-996-0500. I'm going to take my first break. We'll be back in a few moments. And back to the talk with you at 508-996-0500. I'm going to take that call in just one moment. I just got an app chat message uh, from Ward 3 Councilor Sean Oliver. I just want to read this. Um, just so that I can catch Phil if he's if he's in the car listening or uh, in his office listening. Um, but if not, we'll play it back for him, Sean. Don't worry. Uh, it says um, he had tried to call in to the morning show, but, of course, the airwaves were so filled with love. Uh, he wants to send his well wishes. Uh, and he says, you know, this, this is uh, Sean Oliver's words. I know we haven't known one another personally for long, but I feel like I've known you forever. 
Your work in our city and airwaves is unmatched. I'm so grateful for you as you've made my morning drives from Walpole bearable for years. And although we're neighbors, I'll miss you. Tell Celeste I just have to come by the house in the morning for breakfast to hear that legendary voice. I wish you happiness and relaxation. Enjoy your freedom, my friend. And my one request, don't run for Ward 3 City Council, LOL. (laughs) And uh, I think you don't have to worry this time around. We'll see what happens next election. Um, Anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. I don't know anything. That's the good thing about being the morning mayor emeritus now is nobody can ever run against him in that role. Not that anybody ever would. And uh, that was something that, um, you know, Michael Rock came up with as a way to kind of, you know, honor him in the future. And uh, and I'm glad we were able to make some special imaging for today, uh, acknowledging that. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You are on WBSM. How are you? Good. Um, yeah, that was a that was a good show this morning. I listened to the, the whole thing. I mean, I listen to Phil every morning, anyways. But um, yeah, I want to wish him the best, you know, and um, happy retirement, you know, finally. <laughs> I, well, um, sem- semi-retirement. You're still going to hear him quite a bit. I'm semi, sure. Semi, yeah, semi. I'm sure, you know. Um, but yeah, in regards to the town hall, um, I like I said yesterday, I didn't really watch the whole thing. I, I saw a little highlights here and there. But you know, you know what irritated me the most about that was the the um, the moderator, you know, the 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 person who was interviewing him. It was like she wouldn't let the guy get an edge in, you know, word in edgewise. She kept talking over him, stepping on him. You know what I mean? It's like I think that's what what irritated him the most too. Well, the way so- he was reacting to a lot of the questions, she was, you know, he was he was snapping at her. But you think you think she would ask the question and then stop and let him answer? But half the question she was asking him, she was asking him the question, and then she was trying to already get a rebuttal in. It was like, it was like, let the guy. No, they they weren't the rebuttals; question. they were they were corrections because he was lying. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was telling well, no, lies, no, no. and she was she was saying like that's not true, and she would you know ask him to address. And part of it too is he wasn't answering the questions, and you know part of her job is she has to keep the ship running and get in everything that they have to get in on time and make sure that all the people that are supposed to stand up and ask their questions get to do so. So when he, and he, listen, anybody that's ever listened to him talk knows he wanders from the point. I mean, that's not a criticism. That's just the, his his flow of conversation as he wanders away from the point. And she had to try to bring him back to get him to answer some of those questions. But what I will say too is he was aware that that was going to happen. This was this was all... Oh, of course. They knew ahead of time. They Part of the, you know, part of the the discussion that happened was, you know, they were they made it so that no topics were going to be off limits so that he could they could ask about E. Jean Carroll. They could ask about January 6th. They could ask about all that stuff. And as part of that discussion, I guess they told him, like, you know, and if you say something that's incorrect, you know, she's, she's going to correct you on it. So he knew that that was the format. And they actually, from an article I was reading, they actually um, practiced that. She practiced that with a CNN staffer who portrayed Trump. And, you know, basically kind of took some Trump statements of what he said in, in recent months and utilized that as the script that she was asking the questions. And so she practiced how to kind of fact check him in real time. So it was all everybody knew that was going to happen. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess I can agree with you on that. But listen, um, I think it was one of the biggest to date trolls on Democrats that that's happened. I mean, it's it, it was hilarious listening to some of these hosts. After the after the town hall was over, listening to MSNBC, you know, and um, uh, what's that show there on ABC in the morning? The View. Uh, that lady yeah. with the red hair. Yep, The View. 
oh my god, man, she was she was, uh, you know, oh well, this and that. It's like, you know, it, it was it was literally a troll on all these uh, all these Democrat news stations. They were like they were expecting him to go in, just like you, Tim. They were expecting him to go in and change his stance and you know and be be more conservative to the way he talks. And he didn't. He didn't hold back. You know, it was typical in in typical Trump fashion. He didn't hold back. He well, let everybody. He let the people hear what he what they wanted to hear. I can tell you this. I, I read a couple of different articles. I know one was in the New York Times. I forget. There was a couple of different ones. I read a whole bunch last night um, where. They they pointed out the fact that actually you know some of the Democrats were salivating over what he was doing because he gave them a lot of fodder for their own messaging and their own their own ads. Like now they can just say, hey, and I mean even Biden tweeted about it. He's like, is that what you want four more years of? And I think that that was kind of detrimental to Trump for some of those people who were kind of in the middle because they're kind of like, you're right. Do I want four more years of that? Like the guy can't even help himself after he just got you know, a judgment against him for defamation, and then he went and defamed the person again. I mean, that's just that's just stupidity. Yeah, well, he, he, can, he can afford it, you know? Yeah, but if you're going to appeal it, it's not so much about the money. It's about the fact that you're trying to say that this never well, happened, and then you just did it again. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I kind of laughed, though, when he when he did call that, that lady that, uh, that, was, that was interviewing him or whatever. I, what do you call that? Moderators, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I laughed when... when he, when he turned around and said, you know, you're a real nasty person. Well, I don't think that's funny. I don't think it's something that you I, laugh at. I, I, think, I think it's a jerk thing to say in a situation like that. I, I think it's hilarious because she, cause the way she was portraying herself to him was, un, was, it, it was in a nasty way. If it was, it was a man, like guy, if it was a man, would you have felt the same way? Absolutely. I guarantee he wouldn't have. Well, I mean, probably. I mean, I, you're probably right. You know, but I mean, now, 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 you know, now we're going off. Topic. I don't want to talk about how you know his history with women and everything. But um, well, you don't want to because it makes him look bad. So why would you want to bring that up? Well, we could talk if you want to talk about it. We can talk <laughs> I'm, about just, it. I'm just messing with you, John. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Um, I know. Um, but yeah, oh, I, I wanted I wanted to say something else, but I can't remember what the heck it was. Well, I guess um, I got some other calls lined up. So if you think of it, you can pop in an app chat message and I'll, uh, I'll yeah, read it there. I will. I definitely will. All right. You. Thank you so much. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You are next on WBSM. How you doing? How's it going? Good. I mean, I like to listen to that guy. He seems like a really pretty fair guy. I, and, you know, I know he's, you know, pro uh, uh, Trump, but I think he tries to be pretty fair. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Caitlin did an awesome job. You know, I mean, but Donald Trump, you know, she asks him one thing and, you know, reads out the question, and then he jumps off into something and never answers the question. So what is she supposed to do? You've got to, at some point, you have to go, Donald, that's not what, I, Mr. President, that's not what I asked you. This is what I asked you, not, you know, uh, about Ukraine and Biden or whatever. He jumps all over the place and never answers the question. And, I, and a lot of politicians do that. I do understand that not just him that does that they all you know you get you get to with the question and you go he never answered what i asked him you know? <laughs> right and, and 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 that's his style i mean obviously if you watch his rallies or his speeches when he was president or his speech you know his whenever it's not a, a timed situation like that you know he he does the same thing he goes and the, the and he plays to the audience so when the audience starts reacting to something he keeps going on that it's a performance and right. uh, and I don't mean that in a negative way. What what I'm saying is like he he feeds off the energy of the crowd and that kind of directs where he's going, which is what any 
any good speaker does. But when he's doing that, it's it's you know when you when you're staring at the clock as the moderator, like I it happens to me here where a caller is calling and I'm like, okay, I got to take a break, but I don't want to cut you off. But also, like now you're starting to get a little bit out there. You know, it's the same idea. You have to kind of keep things on track when you're dealing with a clock. Right. I mean, and you know, and every time Donald Trump, you know, if 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 he doesn't, if the moderator doesn't get beat up by Donald Trump and and, and does it the has to go his way, he he comes out with, you're a nasty person, and you know, and, and you're right. It is not funny. You know, I I would argue that a nasty person is a person that can't respect the person that is asking the questions. Right. That can't respect the fact that they're trying to keep things on track. That's pretty nasty too. Right. I mean, I you know, I, I uh, she's a real true professional. She's she's a great, great, great journalist. And um, I thought she did a really good job. But you know, at some point, you know, when 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 he was talking, she had to kind of put the brakes on and say, "Look, hold it right there. That's not." Or she put him in check when he'd be lying, flat out lying. She go, "Oh no, you know, Mr. President, that's not true. Uh, this is what actually happened." But, and, and, and he played off of that. So it actually mm-hmm. endeared him to his, to his followers more that that happened. So I, I, I don't know why they're so upset about it. She gave him shtick. And you know the only reason why he took that interview is because everybody that was in the crowd was a, a Trump person. Do you, do, you know, do you know what the people sound like when they're like, oh, oh, she was horrible. She had a horrible job. It's like you only like Jerry Lewis, right? You didn't want Dean Martin to be part of the act at all. Like you <laughs> yeah. have to have the straight man for the other person to play off of. And, and right. that's why it worked. And, and that's why it was effective for them. I don't know, man. I, 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 I tell you what, if he becomes our president again, I'm just going to put some earmuffs on and just that call it a day. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for the call. All right, bye. Take it easy. We have uh, another call here, but room for you at 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Yes, good morning to you, my friend. How you doing? Well, for a, a person that's 90 years old, uh, a veteran having difficulties. But anyway, I appreciate uh, your station so much because everybody has their viewpoints. But I wanted to share something that would probably change the... Uh, venue at this moment. Um, Did you know that the uh, Native Americans in the United States are having uh, what they call the the meetings of the powwows, and some of them uh, have gone to uh, to the island of uh, Fogo to have a private uh, powwow with Native Americans that are coming from some other places. And so... Knowing that to be, I wanted to give credit to the Native Americans, and one in particular um, who is from this area, from Falmouth, um, uh, Dr. Um, Vasco R.A. Pires, who has written a book called A Fraction of Me. Are you familiar with it? I am not. Well, listen, just to give everybody that's listening just an opportunity, I'm not going to take as much time as the last caller, but I have something here that is written in this book, which is called a Fraction of Me, Prose and Poetry for the New Century by Vasco R.A. Pies, And this is very short. It says, I am free to pass on my legacy, free to let my energy flow, free to expand my life to its highest peaks and wherever I choose to go. The drum to me now speaks. I hear it loud and clear. It sounds the call for all to hear. My true self of days gone by, I can now finally see 
No longer must I live a lie. My drum is back with me. And that's absolutely wonderful. And I would yeah. hope that the listeners would ponder on that particular Native American. Well, he's uh, part Native American and Cape Verdean. And uh, he was a teacher in, in Falmouth. And he's written two uh, excellent books that not many people know anything of. So therefore, I would hope that your friends would uh, get the book A Fraction of Me by R.A. Pires, who intends to make whatever that he gets a, a certain portion to help children in Verde in the field of education and, and in getting uh, books and stuff like that. So I'd appreciate it very much, and I thank you for your time and wish you a very happy, wonderful day for you and your family and Thanks. all those who are listening. And to you God as well. Thank you. To you as well. Right, Have a good weekend. You, and, um, yeah, I just looked it up here. A Fraction of Me, Prose and Poetry for the New Century uh, by Vasco R.A. Pyers. It is available on Amazon. Um, it's It's been out for about 20 years, so some of you might already have it on your bookshelf, but it's uh, it's on Amazon if you want to pick it up for yourself. And if it's been around that long, I'm sure you can get it at the library as well or via the Hoopla uh, service, which allows you to get ebooks if you are a member of the sales library. And, and don't sleep on that. That's something that I want to reiterate to people. I, and I know a lot of folks can't get out to the library as much as they would like to, especially where libraries have limited hours now. Um, it's harder to get people that, that can work in the libraries. A lot of li- I remember when the Wareham Library was suffering from some budget issues and there was times when it wasn't open at all. And then they were open on very limited schedules, just a couple hours a day. I mean, when I was a, a student in the 90s, and I went to the middle school first and the high school later, the library was a place to go to after school. If I had to do a project or something, I would tell my parents, I'm going to just, because the library was right across the street from both schools. So I would say, I'm going to walk to the library after school. And if you could pick me up there at like five or six, I should have enough time to get all the materials together that I need. And on the weekends, my dad would bring us over there if we had projects or things we needed to work on, or even if we just wanted to go. And the, um, the, the, the way that it went was, you know, the library would open, they would get the newspapers in, there was a group of people that would come in to read the papers kind of right away, uh, and then they would never really slow down. You know, there were always folks that came in, read the papers, read magazines, and um, there were some people that would read books but would never check them out. They would leave a bookmark in and put it back on the shelf, come back the next day, read some more. I remember one guy that was doing that, and I said, well, why do you not just take it with you? And he says, oh, if I, if I take it home, I'll never remember to bring it back. This way here, I know it's here when I come, and if I, if I come here and it's not here because somebody else checked it out, I'll just start another book, which I thought was a very interesting approach. And they certainly had plenty of great places to read around the library, but people don't, don't always have the time to get there now during the time that it's open. So that Hoopla, H-O-O-P-L-A, I don't think there's an H at the end. Um, but if you look it up and it's an app you can add into your phone and everything, what it does is it you type in your library card number and then you can check out books digitally. It's really easy to do. I think it has a built-in reader if you have to read it like in the Hoopla app. I think you can read it in there. But if not, 
you know, your phone or your tablet or whatever, your laptop, whatever, will have a, a, some way to read an ebook. And if it doesn't, you can just look up, you know, free ebook reader program on online or on your app store or whatever. And it's great. Like I put it on my iPad and I can just flip through books as if I was reading a real book. Now, I, do I still prefer real books? Of course. But it's a lot more convenient to have 100 books on me at one time. And this thing, you know, like going on an airplane, it's, it's great. Uh, the same process for checking out a book, you have to return it digitally after a certain amount of time. But it's um, it's certainly a, a great way to get the books that you want without being able to, without having to go to the library, without having to spend all kinds of money buying them. Especially where, you know, if you are somebody who collects a lot of books, you run out of space and you say, where am I going to put that book? What am I going to do with that book after I read it? I'm probably only going to read it once. And what am I going to do? I always like to pass books on to other people, but sometimes people don't want the books I'm trying to pass on. I read this really great book about the, the music business in the year 1970. People are like, I don't, I don't care about that. But that was a great book. It's called Fire and Rain. Get it. If you are into the music of that era, you will love that book. Anyway, 508-996-0500. Got to take a break. Back in. I have a few app chat messages to read, but I'll do that right after we take this call. 508-996-0500. You're next on WBSM. Hello, Mr. Weisberg. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing okay. What's on your mind? Well, since you made the topic at the beginning of your show about Donald Trump, you must have known I was going to call you. Now, you said... That Donald Trump had the chance, the opportunity to change his image. Did you not say that? For the for the people that were undecided or people that were well, maybe turned against for. him. Doesn't matter who it's for. You said that he had the chance to change his image. But why should he change his image to satisfy you or who? Well, he wants to satisfy people that he wants to vote for him. You know, uh, does he not want to does he does he not want to win back the people that voted from last time that are saying now that they wouldn't? Oh, he has them. He has them. Oh, I don't think so. You know, Tim, before uh, before the uh, China virus invaded uh, the U.S., Donald Trump built the world's most prosperous economy. Are you going to deny that? Just yes or no, please. Yeah, but go ahead. Have, Keep going. Uh, okay, thank you for that. Uh, he also uh, gave people the promise of a future a greater promise and opportunity for all citizens of all backgrounds did he not do that too he's not a racist like everybody says he is um no, he brought I, don't, back, I don't know that i would say that but go ahead you don't know you would say that nope go ahead keep going you, you think he's a, you think he's a racist then i didn't say that no i'm asking you they're not uh, they're not the same thing okay they're not but i'm asking you do you think he is uh, I think I think that he's given a lot of um, a lot of uh, examples over history that he could be, but I don't think that he personally hates anybody based on any particular factor. I think that if he feels like he can uh, use somebody, he does. If he feels like somebody is beneath him, they're beneath him. It doesn't matter what color their skin is. Okay, he brought jobs and factories and industries back to the United States. What, 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 I, what I will say going back to that, though, is he had no problem playing into the hands of people who are racists. I can name you somebody who's playing into the hands of uh, China, Russia. You want to go through that? Because I know you're all for Biden. But Biden turned around everything good that Donald Trump did while he was in office. Now, 
you, I mean, that, to, that, and uh, to be to be fair, didn't Donald Trump t- turn over everything that Obama did when he's you know he signed a whole bunch yes, of executive orders Obama, right at the beginning? Too. They all do it. Because, listen, Obama is the is, is the one pulling the strings here with Biden because you know Biden can't do anything at all. Yeah, Obama is not pulling the strings doing, with Biden. He is. He never disappeared. That's, he's around and he even said it himself what he would like. That's, he said it in one of his so, interviews that all America... Okay, well, well, Vladimir Putin pulled the strings on Donald Trump. Nobody's going to pull any strings on Donald well, Trump. Well, I can say that without that any proof because you just did the I, same thing about, about, uh, about Obama, so... Mr. Weisberg, I don't understand where your hatred for Donald Trump is coming from. I didn't say you I hate said him. Yesterday, yesterday, you said to me yesterday that if Biden's running... And and there's nobody else but Trump. You're going to vote for Biden, knowing the condition that that man is in and how he's ruined our country, trying to force people to take vaccines and even to the little babies, vaccines which were poison. And we know that it is. No, we, we don't know, know that they are. You're, yes, you're full of he's crazy ruined. misinformation because he, you no, just believe no, no. everything anybody no, no, tells no. you. Donald Trump did good things for America and Biden's ruining it all. Okay. All well, it. I'm going to hold you and there because you know I have I, to... I, I, all right, I'll give you. I don't believe that you believe half of what you say to us. I don't believe you. Well, I think you just have hatred to Donald Trump, and that's why you're wrong. And the thing is, you can't tell me why you hate Donald Trump. Why, why? do you? Why do you, you hate like Joe Biden? Image. You hate Joe Biden, don't you? You don't like Trump's image. You don't like the way he presents himself. You don't like the way he talks or what he says about certain women. Or maybe he's sleeping with those, some whore. Those sound like a lot of reasons that. to hate somebody. But I don't hate him. No. But if I did, those would be very him. fair reasons to hate somebody. You don't say anything. What, what is wrong with you that you don't realize that that is a reason to hate a person? You think well, those you are all virtues? Biden. Those are all things you we should, should be, be we should Biden be clapping then. and applauding him? Yay, yay. Where Donald Trump disgrace? is a is a model of humanity. Where is your disgrace for Biden? Where is it? Where? I didn't say Millions that I don't have it. Millions of people in America and uh, even far. See, you're countries. an either or person. I can't I, I can't say, well, I don't like well, either one of them. You want to jump around with your answer. You can't give me a solid answer. I can tell you what the solid answer is. I really don't like talking to you. Well, you, you took my call. You don't have to take my call, you know. You I know. You know my number by now. I, 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 speech, I, like, I do You're like talking to you. I do like talking to you. Just like Biden is. I do like talking to you. Oh, yeah. I can imagine you didn't last long on Facebook. No, I'm still there. <laughs> Send me a friend request. I, they put me in Facebook jail many times. I would have no idea why. <laughs> And then after, because they didn't like what I was saying about Donald Trump. I I, I don't they know why. Donald I don't Trump know why you would ever be put in Facebook jail. Uh, <laughs> many times for being in different groups that defended Donald Trump and the good things that he's have done. And you say one negative thing about Biden, and you're out. That's freedom of speech in America. That's where it's well, gone. Well, I'm, I'm not going to put you in uh, in radio jail, but I do have to let you go because i got to take a break. Yeah, because yeah, you hate my calls. That's no, I don't really. I was just teasing you. you. I don't hate your it. calls. You said it. I was teasing you. You don't like taking my call. Didn't you say that? <sighs> do you not know when something is a joke? No, that's not nice. Even in a joke, Tim. Even in a joke, you know that. You've said far that's worse. You know, than, you've said me. far worse to me. Hey, I'll go to WBSM jail if I have to. I'll say what I want. <laughs> we don't have a WBSM jail. Have a good With, day. Then we would have to, we'd have to provide you with uh, three meals a day. We're not going to do that. Uh, so hold on, callers. I see you there. Um, we will get to you. I'm just teasing her. I'm just teasing her. I just like to get her riled up the same way she likes to get me riled up. Um, I have to take a break. And, and if, all, if all of you are calling to tell me that I, you know, you shouldn't yell at her like that, she does it to me because it's, we're, 
trying to get each other going. Anyway, I do have to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. 